Hello, and welcome to the Season 6 premiere of Setting the Tone, an ER retrospective, the show where we do a chronological breakdown of every episode of our favorite TV medical drama. My name is Elizabeth, and with me today, as always, are Lauren. Hello. And Daniel. Hey. Today, we'll be discussing Season 6, Episode 1, which is titled Leave It to Weaver. Daniel's apparently, like, favorite name so f- of an episode so far. It's just, I, I'm here, you know, a, a solid pun like it, that. It is. It, it's a pretty, it's good, pretty good one. I'm here for and and the episode actually has something materially to do with Weaver, so mm-hmm. I'm I'm okay with it. There we go. The episode aired on September 30th, 1999. Lauren, what was going on over that summer 23 years ago? Better question: What wasn't going on? I mean, okay, I tried to pare it down. You as did. Much you as did I a could. great job, sweetie. I'm gonna earn my keep here today. On May 27th, the space shuttle Discovery became the first NASA spacecraft to dock with the brand new International Space Station in low orbit around the Earth. On June 19th, the Dallas Stars beat the Buffalo Sabres 2-1 in triple overtime to win the Stanley Cup. The triple overtime was what drew me to that headline. Yeah, no kidding. Yep. Also on June 19th, a close call for Lauren and fans like her as horror author Stephen King is hit by a car and badly injured. Thank you. It sounds weird when I'm reading it because it's me, but here we are. Um, on June 25th, the San Antonio Spurs defeated the New York Knicks 78-77 to to win their first ever NBA championship. And Tim Duncan, I believe, was the MVP, if I'm not mistaken. I don't know. Uh, probably, I would probably, imagine. Probably, yeah. yeah. But I just Either saw, him or David Robinson. He was attached to the pictures on both Wikipedia and the new site that I pull from. Sounds about right. On July 8th, the third Harry Potter novel, Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban by noted transphobe J.K. Rowling was released in the UK. On July 15th, MLB team, the Seattle Mariners, played their inaugural home game at Safeco Field. The team plays there for better or worse to this day. I put that in there because it's a joke <laughs> on on Reddit, the MLB subreddit, okay. uh, that the Mariners are basically, they're basically like Lions fans. Like they just yeah. like they've get like they're like no we don't actually expect anything from this team. Like, hey, the, the the next uh well we're not quite into two thousand yet but the next calendar year two thousand one is going to be a great year for the Mariners. It'll be like their one and only really great year. That's so true. We'll get to enjoy. But that. just like every year towards the end of the season, I just see the the self hatred. Yeah, <laughs> it is out. very nice. I've I've actually been to that ballpark. It is a very nice ballpark. So really good food. Cool. On July 22nd, Woodstock 99, a four-day music festival infamous for its numerous accounts of violence, sexual assault, and vandalism, kicked off in upstate New York. Read into this, folks. It's it's a hell of a thing. What, a- if, what if Woodstock was capitalism, basically? Yep. What if MTV ran Woodstock? 94 was the last pure Woodstock. That's because Green Day played there. That's exactly. Yep, mm-hmm, you got me. Uh, on August 11th, a freak F2 tornado struck downtown Salt Lake City, Utah, killing one person and causing approximately $170 million in damage. Only the second ever recorded uh, tornado in Salt Lake City. Mm-hmm. And still, yeah. there still hasn't been another one. On September 16th, the hit reality TV show Big Brother made its debut in the Netherlands on the Veronica Channel. That's not one I ever really got into. Aaron watched that one a lot when I was younger, but I never My really brother did. really liked that one. Your so. big brother? Eh, actually, yes. <sighs> Stateside, though, on September 20th, the first Law & Order spinoff show, Law & Order Special Victims Unit, starring ER alum Mariska Hargitay and Christopher Maloney, 
makes its debut on NBC. The show is still running as of this recording and is and is in its twenty third season. Holy shit! How many how many different ways can you talk about sexual abuse? Honestly, plenty 20, of problematic 20, ones. Twenty three seasons worth. That is That's, holy shit. I mean, it gave us iced tea. Yep. So yeah, you mean to tell me? I love that joke. Uh, Number one movies over the summer included Tarzan, Wild Wild West, Big Daddy, American Pie, Runaway Bride, The Sixth Sense, Stigmata, and Blue Streak. Hello, my entire childhood. Right? Oh, my God. I can see every one of those things. Right? Like, the the DVD case for it on the Blockbuster shelf. Like, oh, my God. I think this is the summer that I became, like, aware of culture. Stigmata scarred me as a child. I don't remember. I didn't see. I, I saw the first half of these. I don't rec- I don't recall Stigmata or Blue Streak. And I have still never seen The Sixth Sense. We still need to fix that. This week, though, Double Jeopardy, the crime thriller starring Ashley Judd and Tommy Lee Jones, debuts and takes the number one spot at the box office. And number one songs of the summer of 99 included If You Had My Love by Jennifer Lopez, Bills, Bills, Bills by Destiny's Child, Lizzie is Very Distracting as She Dances Next to Me by My Life Today, Wild Wild West by Will Smith, yes really, Genie in a Bottle by Christina Aguilera, and Bayamos by Enrique Iglesias. Unpretty by TLC is the number one song this week for its second week in a row. That song has been like partially lodged in my head. If You Had My Love by Jennifer Lopez has been partially stuck in my head ever since I wrote these out last week <laughs> well it, it is now along with all the other ones from the number ones from the summer it is now included on our spotify number now, ones playlist so this this right here this chunk is my my reason to finally start listening to that playlist is I, these like five songs i also i did not realize that christina aguilera and britney spears both had number one their first oh, number yeah. one hit in the same calendar year i knew that they intersected and not just because of the disney stuff but I didn't realize that it was that close to each other. Oh, yeah. It was very much like it. There were probably around right around this time that summer. It was very much like a Coke or Pepsi kind of thing. Mm-hmm. You were a fan of one or the other. Yep. And notable deaths of the summer include actor DeForest Kelly, 79, politician John F. Kennedy Jr., 38, and actor George C. Scott, 71. DeForest Kelly, known for playing Bones on the original Star Trek series. Hmm. Sorry to disappoint any QAnon dipshits who happen to be still listening to us in season six that we haven't pushed away by now, uh, but John F. Kennedy is very much dead and is not coming back. (laughs) Sorry to burst your bubble. Uh, Daniel, what else was on? Oh, boy. All right. Uh, It is uh, a a night of new things, as you might imagine, but some old things as well. Uh, At 8 p.m., Friends with the episode The One Where Ross Hugs Rachel. At 8.30 p.m., Jesse is returning to us uh, in the 8.30 slot. Um, everybody remembers Jesse from early season five uh, with the episode Driving Miss Jesse. Can't be- imagine that one is aged well. Uh, at 9 p.m., Frasier with the episode Father of the Bride. And at 9.30, we have a new show, uh, Stark Raving Mad, with the episode of The Man Who Knew Too Much. This is their second episode only. This was a one-season sitcom starring Tony Shalhoub and Neil Patrick Harris. I'm morbidly curious about this mm-hmm. uh, because the synopsis for the show is that Shalhoub is an eccentric horror author with a fondness for practical jokes, and Neil Patrick Harris is his editor uh, who suffers from a variety of phobias and possible obsessive compulsive disorder. Uh, I'm sure it was not handled with the utmost grace, especially with the uh, OCD stuff for a late 90s sitcom, but just the the – prospect of pairing tony shalhoub with nph sounds like a very exciting possibility 
uh, especially around this time. Um, but unfortunately, it would be canceled in the summer of 2000 after just one unremarkable season. Uh, they noted in the Wikipedia article that I was reading about it that it routinely lost in the ratings to Who Wants to Be a Millionaire in its same mm. time slot. Yeah. So um, wasn't uh, wasn't retaining its viewers from I, uh, Frasier. I have an update for anybody who cares. Speaking of Frasier, I am on season three of my rewatch. She's actually hey. doing it. I'm actually doing it. I made it to season three. Frasier finally got a haircut. Looks much better. Um, we're doing yeah shaggy shaggy fraser weird weird bozo hair early season fraser is really odd like he's finally accepted he's losing his hair and has trimmed it up a little bit looks much better valley even the production quality from what i saw of season one looks a lot better in season oh yeah fraser i think is one of those shows that visually gets one of the biggest glow-ups of any 90s show ever like it goes from looking like it was shot underwater to yeah. like looking almost hd it's, it's season season three it definitely seems to be where they're finally finding their this is now a uh, fraser podcast <laughs> uh season three seems to be where they've really found their um design footing and figured out what bottle sets they're keeping and how they want to glow those up versus what they need what they can just kind of like fudge so yeah. it's yeah i'm i'm digging it it's it's now the fraser that i know and remember and it's holding up really well well, I'm happy for you. Thanks. This week's this week's episode had 31.5 million viewers tuning in. We are directed this week by uh, the same writing and directing team that we had for the season five finale. Uh, Jonathan Kaplan doing his ninth out of 40 previous ones. Uh, highlights ones of his uh, from last season include Getting to Know You, Rites of Spring, and Middle of Nowhere. And written by Lydia Woodward doing her 20th out of 27. Highlights of hers from last season include Getting to Know You, Choosing Joy, and Day for Night. Solid track records on both mm-hmm. accounts. Mm-hmm. And uh, no previously on. If you want to hear previously on, just listen to last week's episode. Uh, <laughs> um, and we open season six with uh, Carol hopping on the L, very pregnant. Like, looking like she's about ready to pop. Because, you know, pregnant with twins, I can imagine that you oh. get pretty big pretty quickly. Um, and they, Well, yep. I'm sorry, did you say they get pretty big pretty quickly or you'd get pretty big pretty quickly i mean both like i I imagine like that the volume that two humans would take up in you because i was gonna say twins gestate at the same rate as normal babies so they would get they would get big at the same but it does it yeah the the mother does i mean i have uh my i have twin nieces and i remember when my sister-in-law was pregnant with them it looked like she was the poor woman looked like she was pregnant with a dinosaur so like it is (laughs) it's no fun for anyone involved yeah carol i believe I don't. I forget how long, how far along she says she is. Six at this months. Point. Yeah. Yeah, because she says at the end of season five that she's uh, finished her first trimester. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I would imagine the the standard three month window applies here. Yeah. And uh, so she's probably about six months along. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, kind old man tries to get a snotty little punk nose them youths uh, to give up his seat. And who plays the old guy? So first of many kind of, oh, hey, it's that guys for this episode. As you might imagine, this is kind of a dense one. Um, the old guy here is played, he is our high water uh, actor for the episode, played by actor Richard Bull, who appeared, um, his most notable role was a recurring one on Little House on the Prairie. Uh, and he was also in the Andromeda Strain and Sugar. Uh, 137 credits to his name, and he did pass away in 2014. And uh, I think we noted that Carol's writing on the orange line, getting on a kind of a weird... Kind of getting on kind of a weird spot, uh, and the old guy and the old guy's just like berating this kid, like, "Don't you, don't you have any manners? Whatever, yada yada yada." A little obnoxious, a little very loudly and a little obnoxiously, 
but his heart's in the right place. Yeah, no, I would side with old man 10 out of yeah. 10. I hate this oh, guy. Yeah. No, I hate this kid. I'm not, we should, I, I'm we not should. defending this kid. The kid who we should point out looks like if 1999 had a hemorrhoid. That's what the, that's what it would be. Is this kid like with his fucking spiked tips, frosted spiked tips, and his like yellow Walkman headphones, the early in ear headphones that oh are still my. like over the head. Yeah, it's it's oh. a lot. Yeah, and uh, the guy was like, "She's pregnant," and he said, "So that's like my problem." I almost I said that kind of valley girl. No, that was pretty much how we did it. That's pretty yeah. much, yeah, yeah. You nailed it. Yeah. Um, and then next up, she's on the stairs by the river. A girl falls from rollerblading right in front of her. She goes into a coffee shop and uh, look. Oh, uh, no, look! The shithead uh, that wouldn't give up a seat is at the front of is at the front of the line. And of course, is rude to the way. Uh, of course, is rude to the the people, the baristas and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Uh, and a creepy old woman starts talking about her pregnancy and tells tells her how long her niece's delivery was and asks to touch her stomach, which I, it's, ah, yeah. it's always, I, it's I always lo- struck me as weird because oh, it is. Yeah. I love yeah. how she was like, well, I asked. Yeah. She was like, cause yeah, Carol's like, no, nah, I'd, I'd really prefer, I'd really prefer if you didn't, you know, and she was like, oh yeah, I understand that people, a lot of people do it without asking, but I did ask. Right, such like kind of manipulative. Uh, I just I don't love it. Yeah, who's our older woman here? Okay, so this is one of the weirder things in the episode here. I will point out. Um, uh, she's played by actress Adrian Ricard or Rickard. Uh, she appeared in stuff like iRobot and The Man with Two Brains, and she will supposedly be making another appearance in two thousand and one, sometime in season seven, as the same exact character, which makes it very fucking odd that what. W- we'll get there later in the episode um but the the actor or or the characters have the same name and i very much remember what this like i don't remember like the specifics necessarily but when i read about what she's doing in season seven i was like oh that's not just a nothing part that's not just like she's in the background she actually gets a little something to do in season seven Um, so it's gonna be weird gonna be weird um and then uh continuing our theme here apparently season six is no better than season five because for our uh, second straight oh hey it's that person uh she passed away in 2016 well i hope the next person we meet uh does hasn't passed away yet uh but carol gets a tall warm milk to go which ew <laughs> i want to point out if you like lattes a latte is warm milk and coffee. There's nothing that weird yeah, about getting but a warm milk. It's flavored with the coffee and presumably whatever flavor additives. No, I'm I'm team warm milk. Yum. <laughs> milk steamers? Okay. Yes. Team please. warm milk. There's our next sticker. Nap naps juice box team warm milk. Let's go. Um and, and this little I would say this little kid behind her uh, starts to insult her order and like, and he gets a double tall vanilla latte. Kid has braces and like he's no older than like I think he says he's thirteen or something like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's it looks preteen to early teens at the oldest. Uh, Lauren, where on the DefCon scale does this child fall on your uh, precocious shit child's uh, chart? DefCon Red, <laughs> based on his interactions with a new character later in the episode. That Just, too. 
just blinking. But he has a he. But he, you can tell he was cast to be that way. So this one, yes. he gets. He, it's kind of like Romano in our season recap. He gets a bit of an excuse because he was written to be this way. Fair. He's not like an overly precocious saccharine child actor. He is just legitimately supposed to play a dweeby jerk bag, and he's doing it excellently. Yes, yeah. yes, he is. Uh, our latte kid here is played by child actor Cortland Mead, who uh, certainly people of our generation may recognize from mm-hmm. 1994's The Little Rascals, where he probably yes. played uh-huh. Uh, yes! One of, one of my favorite side characters. Thank you. Love uh-huh. Uh, he also did a voice on the TV series Recess. Was he and, Randall? Uh, maybe. I I'm looking it up now because uh, the voice was bothering me. Uh, and he also played young Danny Torrance on the uh, TV version of The Shining, uh, which I'm told. Yeah. yeah, I think TNT did a version of it. It may have even been a miniseries. All Probably. I know is that it's legendarily bad. Like, Oof. it's like Stephen King hates, which Stephen King. Actually, no, 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 no. I'm sorry. It's the opposite. Stephen King hates the Jack Nicholson version. Mm-hmm. He likes the TNT version. <laughs> Which is everyone, and, and the public at large is the opposite. Of course, everybody loves the Jack Nicholson version and hates the TNT version. For Stephen King, for some reason, it's flipped. He's an, he's an odd man. For those of you who care, first off, it was a miniseries. Second off, uh, Recess, he played Gus. Okay. So for anybody who remembers Recess. I remember Gus. that show. I watched a lot of it as a kid. Could not tell you who any of the characters were named Gus, or have any object permanence with them. Gus whatsoever. was the kid with the glasses, the dorky dweeby one. Um, anyway, uh, I want to note his, his credit for ER in Wikipedia is vanilla latte boy. Yeah. Vanilla latte boy. I thought that was good. <laughs> uh, and a girl pops a balloon and starts screaming about it because she's a whiny little brat. Uh, and, then, and then of course, you know, it's the beginning of the season. We got to get some drama in here, folks. Come on. So the van crashes right into the cafe after Carol walks out of it. Three mm-hmm. minutes. Three minutes and four seconds into the new season before we have our first technical gaffe of the season. Uh, at three minutes, four seconds, the so they do, as the van crashes into the uh, front of the coffee shop, they do a, a front-on shot of the van coming into the window, and then they do a side shot of it um, uh, doing the same thing. And as you might imagine, they only got one take at that. So... Uh, as you're looking at the front shot as the van is coming towards you, if you look on the uh, left-hand side of the screen, you will see the camera rig for the side shot clearly visible in frame just outside the front door. Hey, uh, We are in with bangs, one for one, for season six. Um, and the new exciting things for the credits this season, Paul McCrane, Garan Viznik, and Michelle, Michael Michelle are all in the credits now. Who are those other two people? We don't know them yet. We haven't met them yet. Don't but still, me. new credits, new season. Let's roll. Um, Carol comes off the ambulance with the rollerblade girl. Carrie meets her and asks what the hell happened. Uh, snot bag guy from the train and the coffee shop is screaming in the trauma room asking for the manager. <laughs> and he just keeps calling people names and asks for stuff for the pain. Just screaming, not being helpful at all. And he's like, She's like, hey, I know you. You were you were from the coffee shop. And she's like, yep, and the train. And he goes, you you work here? And Mark goes, she's the manager. Oh, sick burn. And he's bleeding out a thousand cc's. <laughs> Shit's not good. Something something about following up, ooh, sick burn with he's bleeding out <laughs> is really, really Karma's satisfying. A bitch. Yeah, I really mm, don't care. Yeah. <laughs> 
and uh, Randy's giving Carrie the rundown of all the the chaos that has ensued at the ER because of this accident. And uh, Carrie says to close them to trauma and asks when the moonlighting doctor is coming in to help. Ooh. Hmm. Who yeah, is that? I think Randy asks when they can expect him. Ah. Well, we go from there. We uh, Well, as they're passing by the chairs area, we see a man asking for help with uh, from Carrie for his terrible migraine. And Lauren, you noted a continuity error here. Right? Okay, was I right? Yeah, based on your notes later in the episode, you're definitely right. Because Lizzie, Lizzie thinks this is a is a dress scenario where the lighting is changing the color of his shirt, but his shirt is blue here, and later on in the episode, it does not look blue. I think it's borderline, personally. No. We'll, we'll have to keep an eye on it and see. Who knows? Listeners, comment on this in four weeks when this finally <laughs> releases, and tell me his shirt and goes And we've forgotten from blue all about pink. it. Oh, I will not. This is my penis bowl for season six. Whoa. I am having wow. this. Calling it five minutes and five minutes into the proper the episode and yep all right well all migraine right. we got my, we we got to put a poll up plant your flags here people uh, man uh migraine guy here is played by uh wade williams who appears or he mostly does voices uh, but he does have a few on-screen appearances as well uh stuff like ken park batman the dark knight returns and the dark knight rises all right a uh, woman is asking for her daughter, Michelle Kenny, who has not been found yet. I want to note, let's get it out of the way for the season. Whose films are those? Uh, Lizzie is going to intubate her so she can breathe better. It's real hard to transition from that back into a trauma description. I want you guys to know. <laughs> Usually you feed that to me. I just, it is what it is. Um, and Charles Cameron from Rush shows up because he has a coffee meeting with Lizzie scheduled Hmm. Hmm. Uh, note of the times. He has to go out and check a page real quick. And Lizzie tells Mark that she had set up an interview with cardio for cardiothoracic specialty at Rush just to be safe. And she's like, oh, my God, Mark, I'm sorry I didn't tell you. And he goes, you don't have to tell me everything. It's fine. Hooray hmm. for relationship boundaries. Although technically I don't think they're like fully in a relationship at this point, but... We you know, do touch on that a we, little bit. We touch bit. on that. We'll touch on that plenty this season. Don't worry. Um, and Charles Cameron here is played by actor Stephen Culp, who had appearances in stuff like Thirteen Days, which is just a dad movie if I ever saw one. Uh, the TV series Desperate Housewives and Captain America: Winter Soldier. A hundred and twenty-five credits to his name. Uh, we go from there up uh, to see Anspa working on the Rollerblader Girl. And Lauren, you're going to have to help me out with the, the the word choice here. Complaining about the day-to-day detritus detritus of the chief. That job. is his word, not mine. Yeah, no, it's and it's a good one. Like it is as, as I was listening to him say it, I was like that's an excellent word choice. Um rumor has it that Anspa is quitting as chief of staff according to Hale and Chuni. Uh but Carter as usual is in the dark says he hasn't heard anything. And I love how their doctors don't know anything. The nurses always know first. Sorry, I'm just trying to figure out who the hell this guy played in Winter Soldier now that you mentioned it. We all have to do at least one an episode. <laughs> Figured that would trip you up eventually. A nothing person. All right. I knew who it was. Damn. It's one of the congressmen. I, whatever. Uh, migraine guy is still screaming for help. Uh, Carrie asks Randy if they can kill him. What a migraine. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Lily says more patients are coming in and Carrie asks her, what? What the fuck? Like, what what is going on here? Why are they still accepting more traumas? 
And Lily says that Romano insisted. And Carrie very vehemently yells at Lily to get back on the horn and tell him to go to Mercy instead. Mm-hmm. She's I, like, chain, chain of command. I have to listen to Romano. I would like to point out, too, I don't know if this was, like, an intentional stylistic choice or anything, but, like, with the exception of Romano and maybe a couple other things that are just more dated than anything else, I would say that I would argue that, like, this season from a uh, just a looks standpoint, this has been the biggest glow up of the cast for any season we've had thus far. Like, I feel like everybody is looking like their best possible version of themselves. Like, Mark looks like he's lost 20 pounds and is, like, kind of, like, a little bit more lean than he used to be. Like, he's shaved off the stupid goatee and it's found a new host in Romano. Like He's looking and, back to season one. Yeah, like, he's just, like, looking more fit. And then you've got... Um, Carol, besides, you know, looking like she's miserable, like she looks good. Like Randy looks like Randy gets a little bit of a glow up. The nurses I noticed got a little bit of a glow up. Lucy gets a glow up when we see her. We see a lot of nurses this episode. We do see a lot of nurses this episode and they get a chance to like really flex their muscles. Like there's one uh, particular thing I'm thinking of where like Mm -hmm. Connie gets to fucking yell and it's my favorite. Also, I miss Jerry already. I know. Oh, my We get Frank. And if you and the end of the Frank, season, at the end of the season, but still, we get him. That's three months from now, maybe In real four. Time, yeah, Ooh, yeah, that's that's quite a while from now. Yeah, 20, that's my birthday. Weeks. I get Frank for my birthday. There that's a heck go. of a birthday present. Yeah, uh, we go over to Mrs. Kelly. She is stable, but complaining of chest pain, and they're trying to figure out obviously where that pain is coming from. Lizzie asks to bring down a bypass machine. Seems a little unsafe to do that in the AR, but shoot your shot, Lizzie Corday. Uh, Romano shows up and is surprised to see Charles Cameron there. Looks and sees Lizzie there, puts two and two together, realizes what the meeting was for, and just lets himself out of the room. Uh, And then uh, Romano proceeds to check on Benton and the uh, bleeder jerk uh, from the coffee shop. Uh, How many different ways can I reference the shitbag in these notes? I mean, you got to get it. This is pretty much the end of what we see of him. So you got to get him in where you can fit him in. Uh, Benton wants to run him up to the OR, but Romano says that his pressure and his output has recovered. So he doesn't see any need for him to be taken upstairs because he's successfully clotting. So Romano still finding new and creative ways to stick it to Benton. And here we go, folks. We are well and truly into a new era of the show. Can I say it? Go for it. Oh, hi, Luca. <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> that rumbling you hear in the distance is Gen T screaming. Because <laughs> <laughs> uh, her boy, one Dr. Luca Kolvach, is... That's, that was a terrible I, accent. I'm sorry. I forgot. I'm just going to say this right now. This character introduction, I forgot how much I love him. And I was just like, yeah, Jen, you know, whatever. I I love you, Jen. But I was just like, yeah, Luca, okay. But then we got to this and I was like, oh, hi. (laughs) I I remember. Here he is in all of his glory. Yeah, we're going to listen to his first audio, which really taken out of context is going to sound really really creepy. creepy, But we have to hear Croatian Clooney. So let's let's go for it. Hi. What's your name? My name is Luca. It's a funny name, isn't it? Can you say it? Luca? Does your arm hurt? I'm a doctor. Not my mom. I can help you. 
So you want to come out now? In that case, do you mind if I come in? Croatian Clooney has arrived. Sporting enough hair gel to drown a dolphin. Which was the fashion at the time. <laughs> Which yeah. was the style at the time. <laughs> yeah. Also of note, he was he is uh, talking to a little girl that's in an that's in an ambulance. Yeah, yes. Michelle Kelly, the one that whose mom is being Michelle, bypassed. Michelle Kinney. Yeah, Michelle Kinney. Kinney. Yeah, she was bad. the she was the little girl that popped the balloon in the um in the coffee shop. Yep. Uh, so yeah, here I, we are. Yeah. Well, I guess yeah. Let's let's go ahead and get uh, Michelle Kinney out of the way because she is a somewhat notable for again people of our generation. Uh, Emily Rusky or Resky is the uh, car- um, actress's name, um, and she's most famous, really strictly famous, for being uh, the little girl in the Halloween Town movies. Uh, Which I just watched the first one for the first time this past Halloween. Yeah, we watched it over Halloween too. I forgot, yeah. you know, like I watched that movie a ton around this time, probably. And, it was uh, so cute. I get it. It's very cute. Yeah. No, it's totally cute. I can totally see why it holds up for, again, people of a certain age as a, a modern classic. So. Oh, let me tell you, having not watched it as a kid and watching it as a 30-some, as a 29-year-old, that was a different experience. <laughs> but um, I enjoyed it. I'm probably going to watch one and two next year and just slowly ingratiate myself there in the Halloween Town fandom. Yeah, sure. Okay. sure? I'm sure there sure. is one. But uh, who plays our who plays our dreamboat doctor here? Oh, he is played by Mr. Gen T himself, Goran Vishnik, <laughs> uh, star of well, not star, but appearing in such things as The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo, Beginners, and Electra, which is a fact I didn't know until I did the research for yep. this episode, and I feel like we should make fun of him for more often than we uh, do. And and Practical Magic, my mother's favorite movie. She'd I fig- kill me if I didn't mention I, it. I figured yeah. you'd have a few more yes ands to add to that, and I'm sure no, Gen- that was just, that I'm sure Genty is writing a strongly worded letter to correct uh, me on all of these. Um, isn't uh, it? Is what's the DC show that he was in? Timeless. Oh yes, Timeless. Oh, that wasn't a DC show, but no. oh right, but but yeah, he played yeah like a, he played a, the villain yeah. in a short-lived NBC show called Timeless, gotcha. basically. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, I'm told he was good in it. Yeah, no, he was good. He makes a good villain. Yeah, uh, but he is making his first of a staggering 185 appearances through 2008, and life will never be the same for Genty and many other fans of uh, her particular age group. Yeah, the, it's the beginning of season 15. Right? Uh, he one. does, yeah, he does make one little okay. cameo appearance. I think either at the no, it's not season 15. I think or. Is it? No, because it's with yeah. I think it's a can I think he properly leaves the show at the end of season fourteen. He does, but yeah, then that's when right. another yeah, yeah, character yeah. leaves, he makes a cameo appearance. You're you're right. Yep. Yeah, but I'm just, so, I'm I'm super excited. I'm I'm ready for it. Um, then we go over to Carrie is telling Lucy that she would be happy to mentor her. Migraine guy is still complaining in the background now in a pink slash purple shirt, not a blue shirt anymore. <laughs> just saying, check it for yourselves if you don't believe me. Uh, Carter asks if they've heard any rumors about Anspa quitting chief of staff and Carrie panics and runs to go investigate, runs into the trauma with Mrs. Kinney where Mark is, where Mark is to get his input. Uh, kind of busy here, Carrie. <laughs> um, Lizzie successfully runs the bypass on Mrs. Kelly. Why did I put Kenny? Kelly? I have no idea. I don't know why. I wrote Kelly through this whole ep- freaking note. It's Kinney. I just can't hear. So, guys, I apologize. I'm going to use them interchangeably. It's Mrs. Kinney. My bad. Um, Carrie tells Mark what she heard about Anspaugh and Romano, and Mark says he'll ask around and find out. 
and uh, the fire alarm starts going off because, of course, of course it does. And the team does amazing work of try- of moving patients very quickly and dealing with the whole situation. Benton runs a thoracotomy. Benton, Benton is doing a thoracotomy on the headphone jerk guy because he starts because he hemorrhages another 150. 150- 1,500 cc's of blood. Mm. Uh, yeah, about that clot, Romano. <laughs> um, him and Carter are working amazingly well in tandem here. Yeah, it's so good to see the dream team back. Yeah, like you can definitely tell that they're, that Carter has surgical experience, so he knows what he's talking about with with all the different stuff that's going on. Like he's doing the sewing of the veins while Benton's holding back some of the other, some of the other stuff. It's, it's just very good to see them, like you said, working in tandem. Yeah. Um, they can't find the source of the fire anywhere, and Benson and Carter stabilize the jerk boy uh, before they can evacuate. And uh, we cut to Migraine Dude leading by the fire alarm, clearly having pulled it. And Randy sees him and is like, what the hell? And he's like, maybe now I'll get some attention. And Randy, oh my god, Randy. <laughs> Randy just absolutely decks this guy in the, the most satisfying way possible. And <laughs> Carrie pull and Carrie pull has to pull her off the guy and and the guy starts complaining. He's like what the uh, like what the hell what the hell and he's and she's like you move and I'll let her at you. <laughs> uh, we love seeing Chuni translate into Spanish for people as she lets everyone know that it was a false alarm. Oh boy, as if this episode couldn't get any weirder, wackier, or more dense. Uh, we go from there to where Carter is going to get another cylinder of O2 for Jerk Boy when a supply cart runs into them and knocks the oxygen uh, off the gurney, sending it airborne, shooting down the hall and through the door of the phone booth area by the admit desk. And just as it punches through the door, Luca comes around the corner with the little girl uh, in his arms and is like, have you ever been to the circus? Well, you have now. Like It's such a perfect... So cute. Such a perfect like little intro thing. Like It's just... It's just you have now. Uh, is I think we go to commercial after that too because it's yeah, like it's it's such yeah. a good commercial moment. Um, co- but coming back out of that, Luca asks where uh, Michelle should be uh, checked out, and Carrie says that the pediatric resident uh, will take a look at her. Hmm. But then mm. Carol informs Carrie that Cleo, who that, is not in yet. Uh, Luca says that she's uh, very anxious to see her mom. And uh, so he, I, I think he does pass her off on somebody at this point. I can't remember who. Um, For a second, yeah. yeah but he I said, think Carol. Yeah, but he says he'll go check the board uh, and get to work because he kind of gets blown off by Weaver and Mark. Like they're kind of like, yeah, man, we don't have time to like tell you. They what got to bigger do. fish to fry. Yeah. Uh, but just as things seem like they're calming down, Yosh uh, informs Carrie that there's one last critical patient coming in. Uh, so she grabs Lucy for this one, and they head out to the ambulance bay while Luca takes Michelle in to see her mom. And uh, out in the ambulance bay, we get introduced to our other new main character, um, the last person in the credits that we that we named, uh, Cleo. She is uh, jogging into the ER, and, everyone, and they're like, wait, did you run here the whole way? She's like, it's only four miles. <laughs> I hate these kind of people. <laughs> <laughs> which Carrie says to Lucy kind of makes you want to dislike her, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> which for Carrie to say that about somebody is uh, really saying something. Yeah, uh, but who plays her? Yes. Cleo Finch here. One of the grand missed opportunities of the show. Uh, I think a lot of people would argue the idea of having a, um, 
kind of a strong personality woman of color pediatrician to succeed Doug seems like it would have checked a lot of boxes for the right way to go and unfortunately it seems like her character outline never got beyond Benton's girlfriend um and yeah. it's she's going to be a very frustrating character to kind of analyze not in through any fault of her own but it's just like they're just never going to give her much of anything i would argue she probably gets a little bit more to do than delamico did ever did oh yes 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 but not much more like once she kind of becomes benton's girlfriend she really does just get absorbed into that um so she'll be she'll be an interesting one for us to kind of go through here um, she's played by actress michael michelle who appeared in stuff like how to lose a guy in 10 days new jack city and the revival of the tv series dynasty which she is currently appearing on uh, and she is making her first of 55 appearances through 2002 all yeah. right but benton benton and her leave together I yes yeah. yeah i mean she she pretty much has to leave when yeah. benton goes but yeah, so we couldn't we couldn't find one we couldn't make one character to replace Clooney. We'd have a pediatrician and a hunky guy. Right. <laughs> yeah, they so. did. They sort of just split him in two, and and the, and then the the vestigial leftovers will come in next episode. <laughs> All the worst yeah. parts of Clooney will be here next week. Hmm. Great. Uh, then Luca has. Uh, taken michelle and he's taken her in to look at her mom and he explains what all the intubation tubes and you know ivs are and stuff um regarding like her mom's treatment and explaining like how the intubation is helping her breathe and all that and carol walks in and sees him doing this and as he explains about the breathing um he's like what you know it's like how you have to take deep breaths when you go underwater swimming and she goes i'm not allowed to go underwater i have to wear wings cutest language barrier moment or just a cultural thing where he's like wings and carol explains it it's just very cute very very just excellent moment between these two um and then benton and romano are working on headphone jerk guy some more and they're talking about charles cameron from rush showing up today and romano asks benton if he knows anything about lizzie being interested in the other in the cardiothoracic position at rush and Benton says, do all of our conversations have to revolve around Elizabeth? To which Romano icily responds, perhaps we don't have to have any further conversations at all. That bodes well. Yeah. Great work. They, they, won't, they won't have like one of the biggest adversarial relationships in the entire show. No. no. Going in the, or in the next couple seasons? No, not at all. Uh, and then we go down to Mark and Carrie. Uh, Mark talked to Anspa, and the rumors are true. Uh, Anspa is leaving Sheet, but he will be staying on as just a general surgeon. He wants to spend more time with his daughter, I believe. Mm-hmm. So, which, after losing Scott a couple seasons ago, that probably makes sense. That tracks. Um, he agreed, and but he has agreed to a meeting, and Carrie, Mark, where Carrie and Mark can weigh in on who's right for the chief of the ER. And I was wrong. It's chief of staff. Chief of staff. Okay. So that that was yeah. my bad. So then we go to what I'm sure was probably Lauren's <laughs> low point of the episode. Uh, tall vanilla, <laughs> tall vanilla latte boy uh, is getting sutured by Luca, being pesky about why Luca is a moonlighter. And I'm sorry, I loved this. <laughs> like, it was it was really fucking funny, but he is peak precocious child. Like he, I was, yes. it was both. Yes, my soul left my body, but I also appreciated how much of a perfect asshole he was being. Is it is it here where we get the line that everybody is referencing? In in the uh, yep. listener responses. Yep. Oh yeah, Luca's a sub. That's yeah. This is yeah. Where we find okay, out. great. I'm glad I'm not the only one who saw who heard it and was like, <laughs> yes. 
I was. We don't even need to debate this. We don't even need to debate this like we've done with other characters. Yeah, it's just canon that Luke is a sub. Do you want to show your work or like? No, because I'm not sure I'm talking about the same line you are as usual. So I I would. Luca legitimately says, "Yes, I'm a sub." Ah, okay. That's not the one. That that was not the line I was thinking of. What What Uh, is your line then? Because that's the one Lizzie and I lost our shit. Of course it is because it's the two of you. Uh, But. Hey, <laughs> uh, no, that, that, that tracks. The yeah. line, that the line that is referred to several times as being a highlight of this episode for the people in the listener responses is when the little boy asks him what his accent is. Oh, and he replies, "Thick." Thick. <laughs> <laughs> Both incredibly excellent line reads. Yes. and do with it what you will. I need to find some uh, good cheeky fan fiction for this month's uh, Who's Fixer Those. <sighs> so anyway. <laughs> <laughs> we go from there uh, to the EMTs bringing in uh, a crying baby. Uh, mom is, uh, I think mom is also brought in with her uh, or with the, the baby. Like there's, a, Mom's there's unconscious, yeah, the, the mother is unconscious. Okay. She's in the bed nearby. Mom has AIDS. It's presumed that the baby likely does too, but of course they can't test legally. That becomes important later. They can't legally test the baby's uh, status until the mother gives consent. Uh, Jeannie is in the room when the baby is brought in. We see Cleo working on the baby, um, starting him on an IV for dehydration and fever, uh, likely pneumonia. Uh, Jeannie asks if they need an HIV test for the baby. And as I said, Cleo says they can't test without the mom's permission or court authority. Uh, Cleo then proceeds to shit on the mom for having a baby while HIV positive, getting off to a great start. Uh, and Jeannie, uh, kind of on the down low orders the HIV test from Hale anyway. Just showing your whole ass there, Cleo, and just right away. <laughs> mark this down, though, in the, like, holy shit, this, like, we're already doing this. Like, we're already, we're, we're already. We're like, already here. Yeah, we're getting, we're getting this here. Like, it's one of those things that, like, goddamn, we're just starting this season. Which I guess we have to, because Jeannie's leaving us very soon. But, like, holy shit. Like, th- because this baby is not just any old AIDS baby. He is. Uh, Jesus. <laughs> he is the. <laughs> he is the AIDS baby. <laughs> yes. Uh, well, let's go to our next audio clip. Uh, more Luca, this time with uh, Carol and Vanilla Latte Boy. Am I interrupting? No, 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 please come in. We are done here. Hey, Vanilla Latte, I wondered about you. Glad to see you're doing okay. You're the warm milk lady. That's right, I work here. Yeah, but does that mean you really work here? Don't answer that one. You're done. Feel okay? Yeah, I feel fine. On your way. Thanks. God, that boy is relentless. I think his parents feel quite exhausted, huh? (laughs) It seems like I need some stitches. I already irrigated. I heard you were at uh, that coffee place when the accident happened. I had just left 10 seconds earlier. I don't even want to think about it. Still, it seems like most people came out of it okay, miraculously. So. You took that little girl in to see your mother? Yes. Even though Dr. Weaver and Dr. Green didn't think it was such a good idea? Mostly, they're not sure if I'm a good doctor. Why do you say that? It's like the second or third time you've worked here, isn't it? Yeah. Enough time for them to stop calling me Dr. Koch. You know, when people are not sure, they tend to keep things more formal. I hope you will be happy enough with your switchers to call me Luca. I took the girl in because uh, children need to know, need to see, even if 
what they see is not good. It's still better than being in the dark, you know? Having that kind of fear. You sound experienced in these things. <laughs> well, whatever experience I have with children didn't help me with that boy. He's just so awkward in the beginning. I like, know, he, yeah. He's just trying to find his footing. That's what like... I was going to say. Does his accent sound, like, noticeably thicker yes. than, it, than it does as the seasons go oh, on yeah. here? Yeah. Okay. That wasn't just me. Okay. I, I think part of it is probably, like, as he's getting settled in and, and as he gets more relaxed and as he gets more, like, comfortable, you know, culture-wise with this ER, some of those, you know, I'm trying to think of the right word, um... It's not it's not accent but just linguistic ha- habits fall away. Yeah. yeah. They you know he as you're around a place you get more comfortable with that manner of speaking. Yeah. So I think part of it is we could just say as he spends more time at county. Fair. It it yep. I just wanted to make sure I wasn't yeah. I wasn't oh, crazy though. He's no. he's laying it on a little extra here but his accent is thick. <laughs> and it's also I think partly because he is speaking so formally with everybody because he's not BFFs with them yet. He doesn't have that working history like everybody else does. So he's being very like, you know, trying to choose the right words and being very formal in his speech patterns. Cause even Carol does it Yeah, where like, yeah, like the whole thing where he's like, I hope you can actually call me Luca cause nobody else here will mm-hmm. like, <laughs> so it's clearly yeah. still very early on. I don't know about I'll... his time in America, but yeah, at least at county, he hasn't been here long. Also, I'm one of am I am I like one of like three people who doesn't hate him and Carol together? Apparently, no. Because this is because we're we're starting we're starting here, having a nice intimate moment. Well, not intimate moment, but like you know, friendly. What I mean? But yeah, just a nice warm moment between the two of them. As of right here, I don't hate it. Yeah, I yeah, I'm I'm open to having my mind changed, but my my memories of watching this first time around was that I thought it was one of the most cursed pairings on the entire show that I hated the most out of any pairing of any two characters on the show. Uh, I am quite fond of their ship name though, because it's very stupid Uh, because I'm sure it's, I'm sure it's, Oh, it's so good. I'm sure it's It's so good. I'm sure it's intended to be pronounced Hathavach because of how his name is proposed, but it looks like when it's written on the page, it looks like Hathovac. And that's <laughs> it's so good. It's so good. so okay. So there it is. Hathovach is Hathovach. The, is we're sprinkling. Yeah, we're yeah. we're dangling that carrot out in front of the audience. Yeah. yeah, I don't. As of right now, knowing that it's gonna kind of show up, I don't hate it. But that's also because let's be real. I'm ready for Carol to move on with anything at this point. With how the last season. I know, ended, and and so. I know, and I not to like. Not to subtweet her a thousand times in one episode, but I know Gen T will scream from the mountaintops That's that, fine. that uh, Luca was not intended to be a Clooney replacement, you know, even though, like, he, he was apparently, like, it was in the works for him to join the show even before Clooney left. Mm-hmm. But you can't argue with the visual. Like, you can't argue. Yeah. You can't, I mean, it's the, 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 you know, tall, dark-haired guy. He's there to be the eye candy. And they immediately pair him up with Carol. Like it's like you can't. The stars align to where it looks like yeah. that's definitely. But Lizzie and I were both talking. We rewatched this episode, or we rewatched it to take notes last night, and we were both like, "Do do we both like Luca more than Doug?" 
Oh no, it was a it was just it was a very similar experience to when Lucy showed up at the beginning of last mm-hmm. season. I got warm and fuzzies when he showed up. Like it was yeah. it was yeah. it, to me I guess it was less about him necessarily because it, like Luke is great. I I don't have anything against him and 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 he's a fine character and and even has really powerful I mean he does some of the most powerful moments in the entire run of the show. Um, oh, he's he's a highlight, especially in season, I believe it's 13. Yeah. Like when the show's kind of meandering, but like his whole storyline with uh, Forrest Whitaker. Oh, Forrest Whitaker, yeah. 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 He, he does That's some amazing, and, and the stuff he does with James Cromwell, and like he just, mm-hmm. he does some in, insane stuff. I'm so excited for all the things we get to talk about. And his movie. bromance with Carter. But he just represents, again, that changing of eras and that changing of tides and like, this guy's not just being added to the party. He's not just being added to the cast. This is going to be one of our main protagonists for mm-hmm. the second half of the show. And that, yep. and that it, it's more about what he represents than him himself. That was so kind of and, cool to, to see again. And I'm just excited to watch him grow. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Actually fleshing out the actual, like the true depth of his character that we've come, that we know and love. Right. I'm excited for these early bits here where like, we get to see, like you said, the accent change and the little primordial aspects of the character kind of get rounded off over time and they f- kind of find the formula that works and his convoluted ass fucking backstory, which will get retconned yes. like at least twice. Like they will change major details about his backstory at least twice. And, uh, you know, but they, they he's a great character. I If for Jake listening, like Jake, you will you will learn to love Luca over time. But. But we keep telling him that about other people, and he's like, no. I mean, we're just going to be honest. He's going to hate Malucci. Well, he should, though. He has every reason to hate Malucci. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Shall we? Go for it. Uh, Carol is then asked, complete pivot here, Carol was then asked to show a body to a couple that just came in, and it was the older woman who wanted to touch her belly. Daniel, do you want to touch on this? Just, or that, is- just that by next, by middle of next season, apparently, she will be returning from the dead uh to zombies are real mm-hmm. yeah i don't i i, th- I want to say it's like season seven episode 15 14 15 mm-hmm. um we'll know it when we get there it's a very memorable thing but uh um, gotcha yeah it, it, this is a weird one this is file this in the unsolved mysteries of er file okay uh lydia and connie are complaining to mark about the romano thing just absolutely having none of this uh, Mark asks Lizzie how the meeting with the guy from Rush went. Uh, Lizzie said, man, it's fine. You know, we'll talk about it a little later. Uh, Carol asks Mark how things are going with him and Lizzie. And he says that they're still going out a little, but that Lizzie's kind of backed off. So he's not really sure. And Carol's like, you're going to make me beg for details, aren't you? So they're still having their, their bro thing. She's still looking out for him and, you know, seeing how everything's going. So then we go from there to uh, Carter's uh, contractually obligated blonde white woman of the season. Uh, Elaine Nichols. Uh, this is the one that I thought Roxanne was when we when we were at the beginning of season five. Uh, I no, this is way weirder. Yeah. This is almost well, no, worse. but this is like this is the one I legit yeah. got confused with. I thought that yeah. I thought that this character was Roxanne. Um, I I get how you would have mixed that up. Yeah, uh, Elaine Nichols, played by actress Rebecca De Mornay, who appeared in stuff like Runaway Train, Risky Business, and The Hand That Rocks the Cradle. She is making her first out of five appearances here. Uh, she is Carter's cousin's ex-wife, but not Chase. This is a different cousin, no. not Chase. I, I want to say it's like Douglas or something is the, yeah. the cousin's name. Um, and she remarks, she kind of like doesn't recognize him at first. And then she's like, oh, you know, shit, I can't, you can't believe you're old enough to be a doctor. Um, 
turns out that in, she comes in in a neck brace, but it turns out that really her only injury is that she slammed her pinky finger in the gurney, um, getting pushed around. And that's about it. Uh, Chuni is kind of hanging back watching and judging the two of them. Um, she's pretty reactive to, to, uh, Carter's exams. So he thinks that she needs a hand x-ray. Uh, and then while Chuni goes off to order that he, uh, pries for details and finds out that she got divorced three years ago. Uh, Carter was at their wedding and based on his description, clearly had a crush on her at the time and now. Yeah. He is very Ugh. flirty with, with that, with that whole, I don't know stuff. why this makes me so uncomfortable, but it's just gross. It's a little weird. I'm just going to throw it out there. It's a little bit weird, but we'll have plenty of time to dig into it as we go along. Um, there's, do we have to, well, yeah, kind of Be- being that we go episode by episode. I think we have to, Damn. we did kind of sign on for this. Shit. Uh, but the the little baby that was brought in earlier has pneumonia. Uh, DCFS has come in to check on the baby. They need to find him a foster placement. Uh, and they admit that they're going to have a hard time doing it because they're going to have to find a family that's willing to take on a baby of color with HIV. Uh, fa- foster families for those list of, uh, not issues, but those list of criteria uh, mm-hmm. are not exactly a dime a dozen, according to the DCFS rep. So. You can almost see the wheels turning in Jeannie's head as this is happening. So, Does this remind anybody of Tatiana? Mm, good point. Ooh. Recycle that storyline, why don't you? And now uh, let's go into our next audio clip. Uh, Benton and Carla are at a court-ordered mediation. Jake, I'm sure Jake loves this scene. <laughs> You're late. Dr. Benton, Chris Honig's Family Counseling Services. Hey, how you doing? All right, thanks. Uh, but you are a little late, so let's let me get right to it. This, as you know, is a uh, mediation in which we hope to negotiate an agreement regarding the custody of your son. Now, I am not a judge, and this session is confidential. Nothing said here can be used as evidence in court, okay? Why can't we just go to court and present the evidence? Because this is a court-ordered mediation, Carla. Yeah. Because you got a restraining order put out on me and Roger. No, a restraining order on you and Roger taking my son to Germany where he has no chance of developing his language skills. Dr. Patton, my son is deaf. Our son, and he knows that it, it's on the form. And Reese would do just fine with an American sign language tutor. Okay, Miss Simmons, you have this tutor? I will. And what if you don't? What Dr. Benton, please. Our German now, sign the purpose language? of this session is to talk about your child's needs. He needs to be with his mother. And he needs to be with his father. So what? You're going to bring him home from work and put him to bed on the sofa in your living room? He doesn't have his own room? Uh, of course he does. Since when? We moved in with my sister Jackie and her family so that, uh, you know, Reese could have much more of a um, uh, complete, you know, family unit. As he would with us. His black mother and his black stepfather. What the hell is that supposed to mean? What what is that, Carla? Because I went out with the white woman? I'm just saying. You know what? I can't can't do this. Oh, yes, you can. Court ordered, remember? (laughs) That that had big big Jake energy there. Oh, yes, you fucking can. (laughs) Uh, Can I just say that I hate the way that she says restraining order? She's restraining. She says it in such a like quasi childish sort of way, like that it just it just bugs me. Really, just I'm sure this is once a week in Jake's world. Oh, I'm sure it is. I'm sure he identified with this very viscerally. But now, one question I had: 
do we think Benton's just like, oh shit, of course we moved in with Jackie because that's what this guy needs to hear? Or do you think he really moved in with Jackie? I don't know. That's a good I mean, question. Doesn't it turn out he really did move in with Jackie? I think he does for a, a period I, of time. So, so what I was wondering is, has he already moved in with Jackie okay, and he's telling the truth? Yeah. Or is this the lie that gets him to then go, shit, now I have to move in with Jackie? Yeah, yeah I don't know. I know what happens before... Jackie's yeah. big event. Right. Yeah, because I know that um, in the last episode he was still in the apartment. Yeah. Right. Well, well, the one with, where he kid, where he didn't kidnap, kidnapped baby Reese. <laughs> right. Yeah. Air quotes kidnapped. As Jake lovingly corrected us on. You can't kidnap your own child. Technically speaking, yes. Uh, and our our mediator here in a, a bit of an unfortunate uh, bit here, uh, played by actor Scott Plank, who uh, appeared in stuff like the movie Holes, L.A. Takedown, and Strange Luck. And he unfortunately passed away in 2002 in a car accident. So, rough lo- rough start to season six yeah. for the Oh Hey, It's That People. Yeah, not great. Um, Carter is then showing Elaine her x-ray. And I want to note, she is sitting in a bougie-ass leather chair in the corner of the room when Carter walks in. Where the fuck did she get that chair? I've never, never been made so uncomfortable by a chair that wasn't wicker. Right. And she she was like and he's like he's like, Where'd you what are you doing? And she says, Oh, you know, they said something about waiting in chairs, so I found one. Alright. He's like he's like, okay. I didn't even know we had a chair. What the fuck? <laughs> this whole thing is just so fucking weird. I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. Ugh. Uh she has no fractures. She's like checking out her X-ray, and she's like, "Oh, it's so weird when you think about all the things a hand can do." Right? Okay, I'm glad I'm so not the only spindly. one that was creeped out by that line. Yeah. That oh, line was no. super creepy. It's it's the whole thing, fucking weird. Um, and she complains that she has a fundraiser tonight for the Carter Family Foundation, and she was hoping she could have like a cast or something more dramatic to maybe get out of it. And he's like, "Whoa, even in divorce, Gamma still has her claws in you." which I love and is great. And then he's like, well, you know, I'll, I'll be thinking about you t- t- tonight at the at the fundraiser and how you're stuck there and, you know, tries to backpedal yeah. it and make it less weird. And then she goes, well, I'll just have to think about you too. It's just so... Uh, this Are the straights okay? <laughs> no, well, the Carter straight is not okay. The straight Carter. Yeah, and I can't even really put my finger on what... I mean, obviously, the... the, the glaring thing of course is the the cousin connection like it's a it's a quasi familial thing that like is very uncomfortable but other than that it's it's very hard for me to put my finger on exactly i can't either. exactly what it is about this that is so off-putting but it is very off-putting <laughs> but just it's again think of all the things a hand can do it seems like i think part of it to me at least, is like the type of woman, by based on the way she's dressed and like the her mannerisms, she seems like someone straight out of an erotic thriller. Which is kind of yes. which is a little bit of what she's sort of known for at this point, this actress. Like that's kind of her thing. Is not necessarily I mean, she wasn't in, in um Hand the Rocks the Cradle, which is like erotic thriller adjacent. Um, but like she's usually the like mysterious hot lady in things in like 80s and early 90s stuff she was a little bit past her peak at this point but like that was kind of her brand was like mysterious hot lady and things and so i think she's trying to translate that here but it just doesn't work it's so awkward and like it just these two also don't have any chemistry by the way we should point that out (laughs) it just reminds me of doug hooking up with his dad's girlfriend yes it is yes 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 
Yes, that is exactly what it is. It's Marg Helgenberger 2.0. I mm, both of those. But stretch over five episodes. Right. Oh my God, you're right. They're just recycling the Doug storyline, but instead of a dad, it's a cousin. Like, you're welcome. Ugh, I don't like it. Let's go on to other things we don't like. What happens yeah. next? Uh, Mark and Carrier are at that meeting about Romano being made chief. Hope Anspa hasn't already made up his mind. Okay, if enough of us come down against Romano, how can Anspa go ahead and appoint him? Will there be enough of us? That's the question. You mean if it comes down to just you and me? Don't even think about that. We all know he's eager, not downright breathless. So I can find no compelling reason not to support him. Although, as head of radiology, I would like to point out that no head of radiology has ever been considered for chief of staff. But perhaps that's a topic for some other day. No wonder it takes so long to get our x-rays read. Thank you, Steve. Carl, up in psych, we pretty much run our own ship. It was six months before I knew Donald had taken over. <laughs> Seeing as this won't rock my world much, Dr. Romano's fine with me. How about you, Jack? Oh, God knows I'm like you, Donald. I've had more than enough bureaucratic crap. I already had one heart attack. You find a guy willing to take that stuff on, I say book him. Mark. Well, I hate to be the voice of dissent, and it certainly isn't personal, Robert, but uh, I feel I should be honest. Absolutely. As uh, acting chief of the ER for the past few months, Dr. Romano has, well, there hasn't been uh, a great deal of support. Uh, his management style is, I guess, abrupt. And uh, several members of our uh, staff have, uh, well, they've even found it offensive. Go on. Well, I guess I'd have to say that uh, I'd worry uh, Dr. Romano was to have the responsibility of the entire staff and faculty. Well, thank you, Mark, for your candor. Carrie. As any of us who've been in management know, it's never easy taking over another department, and I agree with Mark. There have been a few bumps in the road, but I feel Dr. Romano has succeeded in stabilizing the situation and is now providing some genuine leadership in the emergency department. So you would support him as chief of staff? I think it's only fair that we give him all the support that we can. So, Lauren, you had something to say about this? <laughs> Carrie. Carrie, what the fuck? This is, uh, this is like exhibit A for why people don't like Carrie Weaver, the character. I, I get she, she sees the tide turning and she realizes what side she needs to be on for her own goals, but she has this really bad habit, so far even of taking Mark to meetings, saying they're going to do one thing, and then immediately pivoting when it's not to her advantage. Yeah, that, and especially, like, the look she gives Mark right before, like, right when he hesitates, like, when he kind of, you can tell that he's thinking, like, mm, should I, like, it seems like the deck's stacked against, stacked against us here. Should we really go through with this? Is this worth right. it? Right, and, like, she gives him this look of, like, motherfucker, you better not, like, you better not fold. And he goes through with it. And then she just hangs him out to dry. And it's like, oh, man. And she does it in the awful way where she's like kind of agreeing with him, but then turns it in her favor. Yeah. It's it's a particularly kind of shitty 
way. I mean, there's really no other way to describe it. Like, it's just a particularly shitty way for her to go about it. And, uh, oh, Carrie, 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 Carrie. Any thoughts? I agree with you. So also, both, both of you took the words right out. Of my also, mouth. Steve the radiologist, Kason, it's a fucking party. <laughs> right? We're one Coburn away from the like once a season all stars here. Like, <laughs> yeah, what the hell? Why isn't Coburn there? Uh, apparently, she's too busy not being available to deliver babies. Oh, loves labor loss burn. You don't get those very often. Yeah. Sick. Uh, all right. Well, we're gonna bleed right. Uh, this is the the second of three audio clips that we have right in a row. Um, the scene right after that is Carrie and Mark at the Roach Coach, and Lauren has this thing. So first off, Carrie's drinking a, out of a giant carton of chocolate milk, and I and my chief complaint was that she was drinking it with a straw. But then I realized she's got some lipstick on. You know, maybe she didn't want to mess up her lipstick drinking with a straw is one way to prevent that. Lizzie said it might be a hygiene thing; she might not want her lips touching the paper. There were various reasons the straw would have been okay, but holy shit, that milk carton is unusually large. <laughs> Oh. All right. Well, let's let's listen. Maybe you can hear how large the milk carton is. You hung me out to dry, Carrie. Mark, I'm sorry, but it was obvious Romano was going to get the job. Imagine how he would have taken it out on the ER if we both gone against him. It just seemed politically smart. Oh, I see. So you were being smart while I was sticking out my neck being stupid and honest. Oh, stop it. I was only trying to protect the department. Well, you may believe that, Carrie, but don't ask me to. Donald throws the dullest meetings, doesn't he? No wonder we all need a little kick of Java, huh? So, what do you think? Gave it the old Remington heave-ho, new look for a new job? Oh, well, back to work. Oh, uh, actually, Carrie, uh, if you have a minute, there's something I want to discuss with you. Uh, so, random side note, you know what I've learned recently? That chocolate milk can be drank drunk with a straw. <laughs> no, I knew that. I just I choose not to believe it. Um, there, there's a ship of Corday, um, Romano, and Green. Oh yeah, it's something like, like as a as a uh, thruple. And, it's Lizzie, and, Lizzie the and the Bald Boys. boys. Yeah, I knew, I knew it was something like that. Yeah. Yeah. On the topic of ship names, because I know a pop a, no. a popular uh, fantasy fic is. Um, her fantasy ship is uh weaver and lewis always yeah and i just discovered the other day through my own thought process that their ship name would be weavis and i'm now in full favor of it like just based on that alone just because <laughs> just because it gave me an idea for a sticker <laughs> weavis and butthead of course it did <laughs> weavis and butthead you, with weaver and are, lewis and beavis and butthead style you are not allowed to do that <laughs> Oh man, Daniel, you're grounded for making stickers. I'm while. glad. Yeah, no. I'm glad that they uh, disposed of the goatee before the end of the first episode, which makes me think that it was just a joke on the audience too. That they were like, "We're mm-hmm. gonna make the go- we're gonna make at least one character have unfortunate facial hair every season, but we're not actually gonna yeah. go through with it." Okay, so let's. Uh, speaking of moving things along with the story, uh, Reggie and Jeannie are at Doc Magoo's. Hey, did I leave my sunglasses at your place? I'm not sure. We can check later. Right, so go on. What else did the guy say? Just that Carlos would be really hard to place. Because he's HIV positive. Right. And I couldn't even tell them that. I ordered the test illegally. Well, you think they'd want to know? Get him on the cocktail. I know. Anyway, I realized that I would be the perfect foster mom for this baby. I certainly know how to deal with the HIV. I think you're right. You'd be perfect. That's not what the DCFS would say, considering my HIV status. You're healthier than half the people in the city. Yeah, but I'm not married. Yeah. So, 
so there's no support system in place for the baby if something were to happen to me. Yet. Reggie. We can take care of that part right now. I've got to get back to work. Let's just drink our coffee. Uh, uh, not till you say you marry me. Reggie. You don't think I'm serious? I think you're crazy. Uh-huh. Jeannie Boulay. Will you marry me? Can you tell Jeannie's leaving soon? Get your shit in now. We got to get this all out the door right now. No, go. Right the we fuck need now. her with a child and married by the end of this episode. Yeah, it's just everything seems so fucking rushed with this. Like for as good of a character that Jeannie is, I hate the way they, they, they she leaves the show. She had like 10 goddamn episodes she wasn't in last season that they could have started setting this up with. Yeah. yeah. Which preferably with not a cop. <laughs> you know, hey. But again, it, it makes me think, too, though, that like a lot of that absence last season was probably self-imposed like and it was probably mm-hmm. her just mm-hmm. being like i'm kind of done with this like and i'm you know yeah. kind of gently working her way out the door and this is now them trying to give the character a satisfying ending and it's just it's feeling a little rushed because she was so absent for so much of last season right uh mark then walks back to admit and all the nurses clap and cheer for him and he's like what the fuck how'd you guys know what the fuck's going on and Yoshi's just like, nurses know everything. Of course. Like, it already got back down to the nurses, and the meeting was barely even over yet. <laughs> if you need to know something, Yosh knows. Yep. Uh, Carrie asks if Mark has a minute to talk. Mark clearly does not want to talk to her about anything. And she pulls him aside and goes, this is about something else. Ooh. Mysterious. Oh, boy. Speaking of something else, uh, our next patient uh, coming in, a 30-year-old woman being brought in from a MVA not looking good. Uh, Carter is running the trauma with Hole and Chuni when Luca and Carol come in to assist. Uh, the woman has been down for 12 minutes. She is uh, very, very pregnant, like a, a exceedingly pregnant. Uh, Clearly to yeah, term. Getting, getting close to term for sure. Um, it's very quickly determined that mom is dead. Uh, Luca makes the call that they need to get the baby out right now. Uh, so he starts pretty much just starts cutting away right there like and, and carol assists with the c-section uh this lauren your note on this uh this just seemed really odd to me that in love's labor lost this was something susan was coaching mark through with a textbook and neither of them had any idea what to do and it's something luca just does no problem in the middle of a trauma with a nurse assisting my how the times have changed it's uh whew, it is, even though there's not re- there's no visuals really like they don't they, no. they don't get it they there's noise. Yeah, but the noise. The noise is enough. Yeah. It gets you there. Yeah. Like it, the, Squelching. Theater of the mind will get you there, and it's uh, it's not a pretty picture. Uh, but they mm-hmm. get the baby out and safe. Uh, Carol holds it while Luca cuts the cord, and Carter, for some reason, is still determined to try to work on mom and asks everyone to rally. Uh, Luca and Carol work on the little girl. Seems like they're just going to be just fine, and uh, Carter calls time of death on the mom. So... Heck of a first day for Luca. I guess it's not technically his real first day, but it's the first day we're seeing. Yeah. Heck of a moon And we day. don't really know what experience Luca has had before yeah. he comes to County General. I know, but it's just weird when it's like, it's something that's, again, fucking setting the tone. <laughs> we're going to get into this, but it's so spelled out how very unlikely an ER doctor would have this knowledge. Yeah. So just, just to have them just do it. It, yeah. it, that book has cursed me. It's made me pay attention so much more to the treatments they do down there that they wouldn't do. Yeah. Like, 
for the procedures. Just do all the thoracotomies all the time. All the crikes. It's fine. <laughs> yeah. No, that's not how that happens. Uh, but we go from there. Jeannie then goes to check up on little baby Carlos. Uh, and uh, she's up there in the NICU with Nurse Kit, our same NICU nurse, still hanging in there. Uh, and Jeannie uh, asks him to get start, asks for her to get him started on the triple cocktail, even though, uh, to the best of anyone's knowledge, uh, he has not been tested yet. Only Jeannie is aware of that at this point. Uh, and she basically does like the you know like cop show thing of just like just do it, damn it, like just make it happen, like it went it's fine, just yeah. do it. And that's where we leave Jeannie for this episode. Lizzie, you wanna you wanna educate okay. some folks? Okay, 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 okay. So the next scene is Carter is looking for Mark, but Carrie asks to talk to him. Carrie says that she's been made chief of the ER permanently. Yay! Yay. But she says it's not appropriate for Carter to live in her basement anymore. I which I mean I understand. And she says, Oh yeah, I'll give you a week or two. This smelled funny right away to me. As someone who has who is to it tries to be as well-versed on tenants' rights as humanly possible. Uh, according to the law, according to the Chicago Residential Landlord Tenant Ordinance, uh, this is that would be an illegal eviction. Uh, the law was passed in 1986, and under that, Carrie would have to give Carter at least a 30-day notice of her intention to terminate Carter's lease, since the reason she gives is not because... Carter is either late on rent or in violation of the terms of his lease. If either of those were true, a five or seven day notice could be served. Additionally, a 30 day notice must a 30 day notice must encompass a full rental period to be effective. So a 30 day notice served on by carry on say February 2nd would not terminate Carter's lease and tenancy up until the end of March. Know, know your rights as a tenant. Tenant folks. But this is all also assuming Carter actually has a lease and they're just not going on some, you know, super casual month to month thing with no written agreement. Then that's super illegal and Carter should have never gotten to that in the first place. Uh, does Carter look like he knows anything about landlord's rights but or still, tenant rights or anything? Carrie says she's rented to several people that's before. Fair. So I would hope that okay, if she's been yes. a, pr- a landlord previously, she knows how to draw up a proper rental agreement. You're right. Okay. <laughs> To know your know your rights as tenants, folks. Especially when it comes to eviction. Yep. Uh, amazing. Good job. You kept that, yeah, that sweet was good. and short and to the point. I, I had completely yeah. forgotten that you were going to talk about that. So <laughs> I didn't. Um, then Carol talks to Luca while he's in the medicine lockup. He's putting a suture kit back because most of the stuff was still unused. And he thinks it's incredibly wasteful for them to dispose of the whole kit if only one thing has been used from it. And Carol compliments him as a doctor. And she's like, you know, I think everybody's going to come around. You did a great job today. Aww. 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 That medicine lockup is just a spot for for, for romance. poignant conversations. Yeah, really. they, should, they should just call that the Hathaway Memorial Closet after a while. Cause Jesus! <laughs> after she's gone. Like, that's that's just her spot. It really is. Uh, so then we go from there to wrap it up with Carter. Uh, he shows up with his beat-up Jeep. Although I want to point out, he's either gotten the Jeep fixed or it is a different Jeep because seasons one through five, through the good fight of last season, he yeah. had the black Jeep, and he is right. now driving a red Jeep. Well, remember, his th- his Jeep got totally bodied, so this has to be a yeah, brand Yeah, his Jeep new was, one. I think, on fire in the good fight. It was on yeah. fire. The tires were gone. Yeah. Yeah. This is a this new is, Jeep. This is a new Jeep. Imagine driving a Jeep in Chicago 
having it be totaled and then be like, I'm gonna get another. Yeah, team. and it's got like he's also probably not going to the middle of like the hood looking for a random guy anymore. But, he probably learned his but lesson. But just from like an insulation perspective, a yeah, Jeep it seems incredibly inefficient in Chicago with how cold it gets yeah. here. You don't think fat? You don't think leather? Uh, Tops to a car are a good thing in no, the middle think, of Chicago. I don't think fabric is as good a, is as good of an insulator no, as probably you know, not. solid steel would be against the probably cold. Not. Probably not. But uh, yeah, he shows up and uh, parked outside of the Art Institute, which Lizzie. Oh, uh, I noted. You can't the place he parks. You, you not only can you not park there, you are a royal absolute dickhead if you park there because that is one of the busiest stretches. <sighs> Of that part of Michigan Avenue between, like, on that side of the river. And holy shit. It was a huge pet peeve of mine um, when I was when I was an Uber driver a couple of years back. It was my, one of my biggest pet peeves would be when people would just park there. Like, on the middle of a summer day when it's really busy downtown with all the museums and all of the... And it's right next to Grant Park and Millennium Park and all of the... Basically that whole square. And my office. Yeah, and Lauren's office. Um, but it, so it's already usually pretty heavy traffic to begin with. But when someone just is stopped there, it just fucks up traffic for a huge amount behind them. So, for Carter, move your fucking car. <laughs> There's plenty of side streets. There's plenty of side streets near there. Oh, boy. Well, it turns out that uh, Elaine is on her way out of the fundraiser and he asks her out for a drink. And she coyly replies, because again, remember, mysterious pretty lady in movies. That's kind of her brand. Uh, I don't really want a drink. So, hey, Carter's going to get laid. Good for him. Uh, we've, we've satisfied the contractual obligation of another pretty blonde woman for Carter this season. The prophecy is fulfilled. We can all live another day. And we can all worship at the altar of St. John Carter, MD the third. <sighs> According to Lauren. Yes. <laughs> uh, Lucy is then giving Carrie a summary of their patients for the day, probably doing like end of shift rounds. And Carrie tells her she can no longer do the mentorship that she agreed to at the beginning of the shift because of the chief position and she can't pick favorites. But maybe Mark can be your mentor. Yikes. Seems like kind of a downgrade. And then Chuni <laughs> says Mark's father is on. <laughs> Chuni says Mark's father is on the line, and Carrie's like, "Well, Mark's gone." And Chuni's like, "Oh, it's his dad because his mom has passed." And for some reason, Carrie takes the call. I mean, I guess just because Mark's not there. To yeah, because yeah. Mark's not there, just and to she's say, pass she's the she's over. now his boss. I guess that's true. Yeah. Yeah. No, and I say that because. Carrie seems much more of the kind of person who would be a good mentor with yeah. how how much she has her shit together in terms of or, like or an, or, research. A professional and, organizational mentor, yes. Carrie would be probably yeah. the better choice. Yeah. Mark Mark would so, be on a much more like philosophical level as a mentor. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that is not me discounting Mark's skills as a doctor versus Carrie's. But. Yeah. Because she was already talking about articles for Lucy to yeah. read and stuff, and they'd only been working on this for like a half yeah. a day. Yeah. So. Whereas Mark would take at least a couple, at least a couple days to be able to find something. Yeah. Um, okay, so let's round out the episode with an audio clip of my favorite ship in the show. Uh, let's Mark get and some Cor- Green Day. Yeah, let's get some Green Day in our lives. Uh, Mark and Corday are at the batting cages.
So this is what American males do to vent their anger and frustration. Figured a Romano Weaver double homicide was overkill. How'd you find me? I have my sources. I heard what you did in the meeting with Anspar. What I did was commit career suicide. Open the door for Carrie to become chief. Speaking your mind in front of Romano took a lot of courage. For what it's worth, I'm really proud of you. You did the right thing. Thank you. So what is all this hitting the baseball thing? It doesn't look that tough. Ah, it doesn't, huh? Well, you seem to be doing it. You want to give it a try? Come on. Okay. All right. Smack it. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Whoops. I'm being okay. You've got a good eye. Keep your eyes on the ball. Here it comes. Very good. Aww. Aww. Except for the part where Mark says it. A double homicide. I, I, in a little I don't know. Board. I love that. I, line. Yeah, that is an excellent line. I love that line. Uh, so, uh, so yeah, and then just a couple technical notes to end out the episode. Uh, the uh, in the credits, Michael Crichton's name is misspelled once again. Uh, this time uh, again with the extra H after the first C, and apparently this time it stays that way throughout season six. So we'll have to keep not yeah. great job, fam. <laughs> Keep the creator of the name, the creator of the show's name, uh, misspelled throughout the the course of the season. Great job! Uh, and the episode was dedicated to Chris. I'm gonna butcher this last name, and I am so very sorry. But uh, Chris Salamunovich, who was uh, yeah. an assistant director on the show from 1996 to 1989, he was and he was the son of Michael Salamunovich, who was unit production manager for several seasons. Uh, he passed away in July of '99 from cancer. Uh, and we note that he is one of the names on the wall at the end when uh, Abby leaves. Um, he's one of one of the oh. extra names on the wall that, like, you know, obviously there's all the ones you recognize, but then there's a couple that they threw in there. And uh, this this was it, unclear whether it was meant for Michael or Chris, because um, I think they had both passed away by that point. Um, but oh. it might have been for both of them. But yeah, solid 8.5 out of 10 for me. Points off for Carter's really fucking creepy storyline. <laughs> yeah. But I think this did every every single thing that you could really ask a season premiere to do. Introduces us to two new characters, gives you a general sense of what they're about. Um, got a little a good old mass casualty incident, but not quite as extreme as like a as like a weather disaster one. But um, still, I think it just there's great character work all around. I love Luca and Carol, what they do together here in this episode. I think they, I think they do have a lot of really good on-screen chemistry together. Like I think Carol being warm to Luca was very much in her character. Mm -hmm. And I just, yeah, we're off to, we're off to the races. I agree. And I'm, and I'm here for it. This, this episode is to, to steal a line from our, uh, our new Croatian friend. This episode is thick <laughs> because there is a yes. lot fucking going on in this episode. This is dense. There definitely. So we watched it once for fun, like a week ago. And then once yesterday to actually do notes. And 
we watched it a week ago and I was like, yeah, this is good. And then we watched it yesterday. And while I was taking notes, we got about halfway, two thirds of the way through. And we got to the part with Carter and his lady Mm -hmm. friend. And I was like, oh, fuck, this thing happens too. Like, it was just one of those things where like 8.5. But yeah, like that whole extra thing just it was fine, but it just kind of jarred me enough yeah. that I was like, what the I, fuck? I, the biggest, the best thing you can say about that whole storyline is that it only lasts right. five it's, episodes. It's, ho- it's hopefully, and it's hopefully five kind of tightly condensed. We don't spread it out over the whole season with five episodes, which I know we don't because obviously the second half of the season looks much different than the first half for Carter. Yeah. Um, but mm-hmm. yeah, definitely points off for that because it's just kind of a stumbling block out of the, out of the gates for Carter. Um, and then the genie stuff just feels rushed and that's, you know, it's not that the yeah. story is bad because it would be fine if it were told at proper pacing and at proper given the proper time to kind of breathe. But because we know that her time is so short, um, it, it just feels very rushed. And, um, but other than that, I mean, it's, it, th- this is one of the better, I think, season premieres. I, I would put that up there in the, in the upper tier, upper echelon of season yeah. premieres. Solid all the way, nearly all the way around. What the listeners have to say about it? I'm sure they had a lot to say, especially with, with one that one hunky doctor ap- oh, appearing today. Oh my god! I just sorry, I just scrolled through the responses. Oh my god, I may have to tap in for some help on this one, <laughs> gang. We'll see how I do. I feel like we've had more than that. Oh, we have. It, it just yeah. seems like a lot, but. Uh, let's start out with Haley K says season six. Wow. It's crazy. We're already here. Okay. I really enjoy this episode. Starting the season with a literal bang is always fun and we get to meet Luca and that's always a good time. What kind of accent is that anyway? Thick. (laughs) Such a great line. Makes me laugh every time. I love how they already start building Carol and Luca's friendship and how he takes care of that little girl, Sophie from Halloween town and talks to her in a way she'll understand. It's so good. Great episode, and I'm so excited for a certain episode coming up. Carly M. says, I loved Luca from the moment he said thick. I am so (laughs) excited to start it off with season six. I felt the show really became even better when we got to this season. Six, I felt, was a great starting, or was a starting point. Six, I felt, was a starting point to what the rest of the series would be like. I love that Garan came on the show when he did along with Eric and Michelle, too. I can't wait till you guys get to Abby. Gen T, unintelligible screaming. <laughs> short, short, sweet, and to the point. I love it, Jen. Audrey T says, one, whoa, how much time passed between season five finale and season six, episode one? Because, oh, hey, Luca, Cleo, and Carol's huge baby belly. Two, as, saw, as soon as I saw Carol's outfit, I knew exactly which episode this was, the coffee shop crash. Three, uh-huh, from Little Rascals. Four, aw, Jeannie's Carlos. Five, and bam, Randy with the sucker punch. Great scene. Heather R. says, Luca arrives. Season six was when I started watching the show's episodes as they aired. Excited to see the pod has arrived here. At Mom Freddy on Twitter says, I had stopped watching ER regularly somewhere in the third season. That's not a dig at the show, quite the opposite. I had to get up early for work and I would be so charged up after an episode I couldn't get to sleep. For the young ones, this was before DVRs. I came back to the show to watch Clooney's exit. My sole reason for watching season six, episode one was to see how they were going to handle Doug not being there for Carol's pregnancy. Then a certain someone strolled into the ambulance bay. And from that point, I was sleepy every Friday. (laughs) I love that. That is excellent. That is a great way to put that. Um, 
And last but certainly not least, at SMB for the win says, this is such a great way to start off the season. Just throw a nuke into it. The season premiere woke up and chose violence. Yet again, McCrane gets to shine at peak Romano-ness and even has that evil-looking beard to go with it. But seriously, who let Anspaugh decide to step down last minute and not call for a national search of chief of staff, and yet they yanked Carrie's chain over the chief of ER position? I guess after the Amanda Lee debacle, they got terrified of who would show up for the job and decided to go with the devil they knew. Then we get Carrie reading the writing on the wall and pivoting so quickly, poor Mark got whiplash from it. Carrie deserved to get Chief of ER, even if it brought out her nastier side and how she dealt with Carter and Lucy after the fact. Elizabeth gets to show her cleverness in avoiding Romano with the Rush Fellowship. Let's be honest, we're all Mr. Hot Surgeon when he says he's there for coffee and hears it's the best in town when looking at Elizabeth. It's a mood and everyone in the room is feeling it. And speaking of hot doctors, oh Luca... We needed to fill the role of eye candy when Doug left, and you did not disappoint. I have so many feels about Luca. I love this episode, and it's a great setup for the season. We definitely have a lot to look forward to, and I can't wait. All right, well, that's about going to wrap up our episode for today. Thank you all very much for listening, as always. This show is brought to you in part by our patrons over at patreon.com slash podcast. For only $1 a month, you can get access to our show notes each week, and for only $5 a month, you can get a free sticker featuring our favorite desk clerk, Jerry two-week early access to all of our cast and crew interviews, and over 30 hours of bonus audio and video content, including the full season recap episodes, a bonus show called The Lounge, where we talk about whatever is going on for us in our lives at that moment, movie reviews, where we talk about a movie featuring an ER cast member, and flash forwards, where we do a commentary track for future ER episodes. We would also appreciate it if you would follow us on our social media accounts. We are at SetTheToneER on Twitter. We are on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Podcast, And we are at Podcast on Instagram. Also, be sure to check out the official Say in the Tone community on Facebook. Our theme music is provided to us by Andrew M. Edwards. And Daniel, where can folks find you at? They can find me on Instagram at dan.u, that is y-o-u dot e-l. They can also find me on my other podcast, The Popular Court, with my co-host Jake Terrell, where we do a different pop culture topic each episode and put it through a little mock trial. And Lauren, where can folks find you at? Folks can find me on my personal Twitter at lowbob92345. I'm back on my Dark Souls bullshit real hard, y'all. She really is. Uh, you can also find me on Twitter. I'm at randomgamer, that's JM3R, as well as on the Popular Quartz YouTube channel doing a Let's Play of Mass Effect 2. The episodes of that are out every Friday, and you can find those videos and much, much more at youtube.com slash thepopularcourt. And thanks again, everyone, very much for listening. Please join us again next time, and have a great week.
I have one extra plug. Guys, I'm also on the popular court regularly with Lizzie. We're doing a Diablo series. Let's go. Oh, shit. Yeah, I forgot about yeah, that. Yeah. I'm. You get to hear me in two different places regularly for a while. YouTube.com slash the popular court. Wednesdays. That one. Bye. <laughs> Just fucking leave it. <laughs> Just. It's fine.